continuing in our series by the book. Last week, I laid a little foundation, so to speak, dealing with marriage and its divine origin and what God's purpose is it in, purpose is it and is in it in general. And so we discussed that, and I promised you that this week I was going to speak to the husbands. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And so for the husbands, I want you to know next week I'll be talking to the wives. Glory to God. I want want to lay that out there because no matter what I say today, I just want you to know next week, praise the Lord, we will be able to communicate with the wives concerning their responsibilities. So as as hard as this may be today, praise the Lord. Uh Uh-huh. See, 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 see. As difficult as this might be today, as tough as it may be, it ain't going to be that bad, I don't think. But as challenging as it may be, I, I encourage you, I encourage you that it will be equally challenging next week for the wives. Amen? I'm actually having my wife preach the one to the wives next week. How y'all like that? You like that? Glory to God. She's looking at me like, no, that's not going to happen. But I just read the scripture. Submit to your husband in all things. Glory to God. See, we're giving some practical lessons this week. Glory to God. I'm just joking. We'll stick within our gifting. Amen. Hallelujah. Marriage, marriage, marriage that is filled with purpose. We talked last week about marriage having to be full of purpose. Your marriage has got to be full of purpose. You shouldn't just be married, just together, hanging out, whatever, until eternity comes. But there should be some purpose within your marriage. And when your marriage is filled with purpose, it will have a vision. And vision is very, very important. If you don't have vision, people perish and all that good stuff. But the book of Proverbs specifically declares that where there is a lack of vision, people cast off restraint. People cast off restraint. And when you look up that word restraint, to cast off restraint, it gives a picture of taking off a seatbelt, so to speak, and removing that restraining item that is there to protect you. It's there to keep you in case of harm. So what happens when people don't have vision, not just in marriage, but in every area of life? When you lack vision, what you do is you just kind of lollygag. Hello. You, you, you just kind of walk around in life and, and you're just, you know, just going through the motions, but there's no vision. There's nothing that you are pursuing. There's nothing that is driving you. And so it's important that you question yourself. And I know we're going to talk about husbands specifically today and marriage, but, but, but in general, I think that we need to all make sure that we ask ourselves this question. If you don't get anything else out of this message, you should get this. What is the driving vision of my life? What is the driving purpose in my life? Am I just going through life, just going through the motions? Or am I living my life according to the purpose and will of God? Am I living my life according to what God declares? Because here's what happens. When I am living my life according to purpose, then I do not cast off restraint because what do I do? If I'm really living according to purpose, then I have steps and, 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 or, or I have certain goals that I want to meet. And therefore, if I cast off restraint, if I get careless, If I lose focus, what happens is I'm never going to get to where I'm trying to get to. Amen, somebody? And so it is important that we have that vision. And in our marriages, we have to have the same thing because if we don't have vision and we don't have purpose in our marriages, then we lose focus. We lose focus. And and, and what, what happens is we become vulnerable to danger. We become vulnerable to things that go on around us. When you look at a seatbelt in a car, I mean, that seatbelt is there specifically to protect you against what? The unknown. Normally, you sit down in the car, the seatbelt is good, you know, stretching out and everything, but go on ahead and hit the brakes real quick, and all of a sudden, it locks up on you. Why does it lock up? To protect you at that moment, because something has shaken the car in a way that was abnormal to the movement of the car. Therefore, what that seatbelt is, is there to do is to help you to, to, to be protected in the midst of that, in, in the midst of that situation, whatever. It's a, if it's a car accident, if you fell asleep driving or whatever the case is, it's there to protect you. But when you're careless, what do you do? You, you, you just don't put on the seatbelt. Ain't nothing going to happen. I'm a great driver. It ain't you we're worried about. It's everybody else. Because you don't know what they're going to do. And see, here's the thing. You don't know what the enemy's going to do or what he's going to bring against you. Therefore, it is imperative that you do not cast off restraint, but that you maintain yourself focused in your marriage. We talked about marriage last week and it being a partnership. And marriage is that partnership. But we notice something when we look at the book of Genesis. 
When we look at the book of Genesis, we find that before the fall, it wasn't after the fall, because, you know, a lot of times we bring in this whole, you know, submission thing that we'll talk about next week, and, 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 and we say, you know, this all has to do just after the fall. But I want you to notice something. God completed. He created Adam and Eve at the same time. Hear me. He completed Adam first. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is Adam was the one that was walking with him. They were both created because obviously where did Eve come from? Came out of Adam. Therefore, God created Adam and Eve at the same time. Adam was simply completed first. And as he was completed, what did God do? We talked about it last week. He gave him a job, gave him a ministry, gave him responsibility. And then after he gave him the responsibility, gave him a job, after he did that, then he says, okay, it's not good that he's alone. It's not good that he be alone, so what does he do? He says, okay, I'll put him in a deep sleep. He, answered, he named all the animals, and he goes on ahead, and he pulls out what he had already started creating, and he simply completes it, which shows us something that man, man, man of God, that is in every man of God in this place, you are called and created to do what? To be leaders. Say, I am a leader. If you're a man, I am a leader. Am a leader. Glory to God. See all that? Authority, glory to God. I am a leader. You are created to be a leader. You are created to be the one who is leading the way of blessing, hallelujah, prosperity, leading the way to peace, leading the way to joy. You're supposed to be leading your family in those areas. That is what the man is created to do. The reality is, here's the issue, is that many of us have lacked a physically present or a proper male role model whom we can imitate. This has been a problem in many situations. Some of us have had no male in our, in our home, and so we grow up not seeing what a man is supposed to be. Therefore, it distorts something. We just try to make something up, figure it out, you know, and then we end up looking at the wrong stuff to create what a man is supposed to be. Right? That's how we end up with ten babies. Hello? Outside of marriage, because that's what men do, right? No. Mm -mm. Hello, somebody. But we have distorted views. And then, and then there's the other one. There, there's the one that there is a physically present male, but that's not a proper role model. So I don't know how many of the fathers in here took seriously the, um, the advice that I gave in the newsletter during Father's Day month of Father's Day. I don't remember when it was. But there was a little thing that I gave, on, that I gave in there, and it was a little test that you could take with your children. Go online to this website called All Pro Dad. When you go there, you can, it asks these questions, and I had my daughter do it first. And so I was looking at the questions. I looked over the questions, and, you know, one of the questions was, do, does, you know, do, do you know that your father, something like this, do you know that your father loves your mother? You would think that that's just, yeah, every kid is going to say yes. But there's a reason why the question was asked. Because there's a lot of kids that wouldn't be, how, how do I know that daddy loves mommy? Well, you're going to know because you hear daddy telling her, I love you. You're going to know because you see daddy showing her love. That's how, that's how a child knows. You know, I, I, you know we, we, we watch programs. I'm just going to use programs. I'm not going to you know, use any real situation, right? Glory to God. I don't want to offend anybody. But, you know, you, you watch these programs and you see the, the male. It's, it's, it's like, it's, like a, it's not manly to, to demonstrate love. It's not a manly thing. And so, you know, people, you know, the man in, in, in situations, certain, you know, movies or whatever, they'd be like, well, you, you know I love you, right? There's a reason why you're saying that, Pop. There's a reason why you're saying you know I love because you're not sure that you're showing me love. Very, very important. Just little stuff like that. But anyway, you could have gone to that website and you could have seen, do you, do you demonstrate that from the eyes of your children? It doesn't mean you got to be crazy up in the house. Hello? Because you don't want to, you you don't want to take it beyond, you know, the PG mode. You know what I'm saying? I mean, all right, you, you want you want to keep it in that G range, right? But you can show love in the right way and make sure that your children know, yeah, Daddy loves Mommy. You know, very very important for the fathers in the in the house to do that. Amen. Amen. But here's what I want to say: even though we may have lacked a physically present or a proper role model in our home to imitate, Christ is the ultimate masculine role model for every man to follow. Hallelujah. So if we simple, simply follow the example of Christ, if we simply just sit down, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, look at the way that Christ was, read these things. Guess what? We have the perfect role model of what a man is supposed to look like. 
perfect role model of what a man is supposed to be. Not a married man, just a man. And if you and if you will be a man of God, guess what? You'll be a great husband. Amen? Amen. So there's something that, the, or the title of the message today is Husbands Just As. If you look at the scriptures here, he says, he tells the husbands, look at verse 25. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So I want to talk to you about being a husband just as Jesus. And there's a few things that every husband needs to know. And this is what we're going to talk about today. And the first thing is every husband needs to know his rights within his marriage. Amen. Amen. You know, when it, when, and, and I don't want to compare marriage to being arrested, but, but here, here we go. I'm, I'm just going. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm not trying to say marriage is like that because it shouldn't be, but you. You know, you are bound. Glory to God when you get married, but when you get bound and you're arrested, what do they do? They read you your rights. They let you know you have a right to remain silent. You have a right to an attorney and all that is good stuff, right? They let you know your rights. Why? Because they got to make sure you know them so you can exercise your rights. Glory to God. And so it is, it is vitally important that every man that is in this place knows his rights. The second thing that every man has got to know is he has got to know his responsibility. You got to know your rights. You got to know what you're entitled to. And you got to know what is expected of you as a man. And the third thing that every man has got to know is he has got to know his role. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Husbands, just remember, I'm preaching to the wives next week. Glory to God. So the first thing I want the men to repeat after me is say, husbands, husbands must, know must know their rights within marriage. So the first thing here is knowing your rights. Why is this important? Is because knowing your rights as a husband is vital to maintaining realistic expectations within your marriage. You don't want to have no crazy expectations. You want to go directly to the source. Remember what the title of the series is, by the book. So you, as a man of God, you want to go if you're married. And, and this is good also for those who are not married yet. And, and let me just say this also. For some of the women that may not be married in here and be considering marriage, these are some good things. Remember I told you I'm going to put that list together of standards for what a woman should be looking for in a man. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This is a good place to start taking some notes. Praise the Lord. All right, because you get to see if this, if, if this is the kind of man that he is, and he's going to be a good husband, glory to God. And, and, and if you're a young man, you're not married yet, or you may be an older man, not married yet, and you're considering that, then these are some good things to look at. Are, are, are you going to be this way? Because the first thing you got to do is you got to learn what your rights are within the marriage. And so the rights that are found in the scripture, there's only a couple of them here. I just want to let you know them real quick. The first one is the husband has the right to be respected as the head or the leader of his home in all areas. I, listen, I, I just want to say this to help to, to help Jamik and me out. Jamika's just helping me out. He's just supporting me in this, all right? He, he, he ain't trying to, you know, preach to his wife or nothing. I just want to make that clear. Me as a good woman, glory to God, walking in submission in all things, praise the Lord. I, I just want to help her out, praise God. But, but, I, but I appreciate the assistance, my brother. Don't leave me alone up here, hallelujah. But you have the right, as the man of the house... To be respected as such. Not in some areas. Listen to me now. This kind of goes into next week a little bit. But. <laughs> women you just can't pick and choose which areas. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to respect him here and here. But not there. No, no. That's not what the scriptures teach. So you as a man of God. You have a right. To be respected as the leader of your household. And the other right that we find that is clearly written out in the scriptures is that the husband has a right to receive conjugal or marital satisfaction. Amen? Amen. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. You, 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 you have a right. These are rights that you have according to the scripture. I'm, 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 I'm simply going to what I can get backed up in the Bible, glory to God. Because if I go outside of the Bible, I start perverting stuff, right? And when I say perverting, I mean you start twisting stuff, distorting stuff, and I got a right to this, right to that. No, no, no. This is what the Bible says. Every man of God, every man who is married has a right to these things here. As husbands, though, we need to remember that rights equal responsibility. Mm -hmm. Remember those children as they were growing up? Or remember when we were children growing up? Some of your children are still young, still doing the grow-up thing. 
Guess what they wanted? They wanted freedom, right? They, they wanted rights to do stuff. And what did you tell them? Right away, you threw at them responsibility. Oh, you want to go out? You got to clean that room. You want to go out? You got to wash that car. You want to go out? You need to take out the garbage. You need to do this. You want to go do You got to, all this stuff got to be done because we got to balance this stuff because folks want to have rights all over the place, but no responsibility. Hello. So rights, we, we, we know our rights. Oh, yeah, you, you got the right to be the leader of the house, glory to God. But you got some responsibility to lead that house. You got some rights for your merit or conjugal satisfaction, praise the Lord. I, I, I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. I, I, I got to take you there, glory to God, because we're about to enter into to, to the responsibilities, glory to God. I, I just want you, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I wasn't going to go here, but I have to go here, glory to God. Praise the Lord. So rights equal responsibility. Amen? And let me flip it around. Fulfilled responsibilities will produce you receiving what's rightfully yours. Did you hear that? I can't say it again because that was inspiration, but listen. <laughs> Fulfilled responsibility equal you receiving the rights that belong to you. Something like that. Amen? Close. It was in that vicinity right there, in that area. So here's, here's, here's what happens. Verse 3. Look at verse 3. Look what it says. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. Now, why is it, why is it that whenever I hear this scripture utilized, I only hear the portion of likewise also the wives give to the husband what he deserves? It's going to be quiet up in here for a couple of moments, but it's all right. It's supposed to be as long as you're going to get it in your spirit. Amen. Hmm. Notice, notice what the apostle Paul says here. He speaks first to the husband because the husband is, is what? He is the leader. He's the one that sets the tone. He's the one that's supposed to create the atmosphere. Amen. Mm -hmm. This is what husbands do, right? So he says, let the husband render to the wife the affection due her. Now, when you look at that, that, that's where you get the whole word conjugal, you know, satisfaction and all that, right? Now, now I, want, I, want you to, I want you to just get, go, go get scientific with me for a moment, okay? What I mean by scientific is we, we read a book a long time ago called His Needs, Her Needs, Okay? And we read this book called His Needs, Her Needs. At the end of the book, there was a test that was, be, that was, that was supposed to be taken by everybody. How many of y'all went to that conference? If y'all remember that, raise your hand. Come on, there, there's a bunch of y'all in here. Don't, don't be acting like you didn't read it, glory to God. Uh -huh. All right, y'all still accountable whether you raise your hand or not. But listen, it was, it was, a, it was the first marriage conference that we went to that, that, that we had. It was a long time ago. But anyway, in that conference... We read this material. We went over his needs, her needs, and I gave everybody. Y'all remember this because I gave it to you on the first night of the conference after we renewed our vows. Yeah, see? See all the O's? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Glory to God. Y'all remember that now? Because what happened was we went and we got all romantic and renewed our vows and we sang, you know, I need you, you need me, and all of that good stuff, right? And it was all wonderful, uh-huh? And then I said, now, before you go to your room, glory to God, I have this little pamphlet that was about that thick, glory to God. And I want you to go over all these questions. And tomorrow morning, you got to have them ready. So everybody was like, man, Bishop, we're going to be there for three hours before we get to conjugally come together. Huh? Uh -huh. <laughs> right, there you go. Okay. So in this, his needs, her needs questionnaire, some of y'all should, should still have it somewhere. We learned something. We learned that the woman's emotional needs, most women, the emotional need, and usually it was, is need number two because need number one, everybody was pretty much the same. Everybody wanted to be respected. Amen? That's good. Everybody wanted to be respected. But when you got down to need number two, the man wanted something, the woman wanted something else. What does that mean? That means that we got to read the text that the Apostle Paul is speaking, and he says, let the husband render to his wife 
the affection due her. So what does that mean? The responsibility of the husband is to ensure that the highest emotional need of the wife is taken care of. That is his responsibility. And notice what we said, what we learned. We learned that most of the time, what was number two for the woman was number, was, was number five for the man, and what was number two for the man was number five for the woman. What does that mean? Well, what it means is this. It means that the man wants something that's highly relevant to him. And the woman wants something that is highly relevant to her, and guess what? They're the opposites. So you, as the man of God, as the leader, you are not going to be able to satisfy your wife's emotional need through your emotional need. Did, did, you, did you understand that? We'll, we'll have an all-adults class one day, and I'll spell it out a lot easier, okay? But for today, we'll stay right here. All right? So in other words, I can't try to love my, and, and, and I'll I, 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 I use it like this. My wife, my wife, she, she, she likes flowers. That's probably like, you know, number three, right? Number three, two, three, three, I think three, maybe four, right? I got the little list there in my head. But it means a lot to her. Now for me, that would be like number eight, okay, 18. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, give me flowers. I'm gonna be like, yeah, okay, this isn't great, you know. It would, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stimulate me emotionally. Now I would know because I'm mature enough to say, man, my wife loves me. She was thinking about me. Glory to God. But I'm not gonna be like her. Oh my goodness, they're so, they smell so good. And smelling them every day when she comes in the house and throwing away the dead ones so the live ones can stay. I ain't gonna do nothing like that. I'm gonna wait for them all to die. Throw them all away. Glory to God. Thank you. I appreciate it. The point is that as a man, I can't try to satisfy my wife's emotional need. Now, through my, through my emotional needs. So what does that mean here? That means that I said that the husband's right is to receive that marital satisfaction. Amen? But here's what has to happen. We need to be responsible to ensure that we are doing what? That we are satisfying our spouse's emotional needs to ensure that all of our emotional needs are being met. That good? I think it's great. Praise the Lord. Second thing I would like the husbands to repeat with me is husbands, husbands. Must, be must be committed to fulfilling, to fulfilling. Their, responsibility within marriage. their responsibility within marriage. So according to Ephesians chapter 5, what does he say? He says, husbands, love your wives. This is what he communicates clearly. In verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So the first and primary responsibility for the husband is to be a loving leader. Emphasis on loving. Because a lot of times we know how to lead, we just don't know how to lead in a loving manner. And notice, notice this. When he communicates to the wife, he explains to the wife, this is the right of the husband. He should be the head of the house. He should be the leader of the home. He should be the one that is leading. You should be, you know, submitting and all of this stuff. But when he talks to the husband, he doesn't remind the husband, hey, you know, remember you're the leader of the home. No. He communicates to the husband and says, you need to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Turn with me really quick. Hold your place there. But turn, turn over a couple of books here to the book of Colossians. Chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 19. I want to make sure that we go to all of these wonderful places that communicate about husbands loving their wives. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19, when you got to say amen. And it says, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Hmm. You know, you know the apostle's saying, right? He's communicating that, you, it's, you know, it's, it's for some people, for some folks, there's just some, it's a chore, it's a burden to love your wife. My question is, then why did you get married? Because you were thinking about that conjugal satisfaction. And you forgot it's two-sided. Hello, somebody. Uh-huh. 
Husband, just remember, I'm preaching to the wives next week. Glory to God. <laughs> just keep that in mind. Do not be bitter. Do not be harsh. In other words, don't let your heart be bitter in, 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 in executing that love toward your wife. Don't get like that. He wouldn't have said it if it is impossible. And I'm sure that we all know people that, yeah, I got to love my wife and, you know, and I'm trying. But, and, 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 it's, and it's a bother for them to walk in love toward their spouse. You need to repent if that is you. Simple. You need to say, God, forgive me. I believe Brother Mike, he was reading a book. I think it's, it's um, called Wild at Heart or something like that. And he talks in there about how men, you know, they're wild at heart. You know, they're, they're just free. They, you know, they, they're used to just, I'll go, I'll go play ball when I want to play ball. I'll go hang out when I want to go hang out. I'll go do this when I want to go do this. I'm going to just do everything I want to do. And we forget about our wonderful wife that is at home waiting on us to spend some quality snuggling time with us. Right? Because, you know, that's what they want. They want a hug. They say, Can I get a hug? I'm like, hug. Glory to God. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. But we forget about that. And, 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 and what happens is, and, I, and I, I don't know if it was in that book or in another book, but in there, you know, he's talking about how men, you know, they got to they tame themselves. They got to be there. I'm serious. I mean, that, that's what it's like. You got, you got to calm yourself down. You got to understand you're married. Why is this important? Because here, here, here's the example. I don't know if it was in that book or in another book. But he gives, and one, one of the writers gives an example. He says, if you catch a lion that is in the wild, right? You catch a lion that is in the wild and you put him in a cage, you know what he's going to do? He's going to be in there. He's going to buck for a little while. You know, he's going to try to, you know, break out. And once he sees he can't break out, he's going to just go sit up in a little corner somewhere. And he'll end up dying. He'll, he, he's not, he's not going to live. He's not going to thrive like he, like he could, like, you know, other, other lions that are in, you know, grow, born in these cages. And so they think, wow, this is a great environment. Got little mountains and hills. But, you know, the other one was like, man, I was running free in Africa. <laughs> these, these hills ain't nothing, man. These little caves ain't nothing. I had some real space to run in here. You know, I don't have any space. And you know what happens? Here, here's what happens, man. This is why they get bitter. Hello? I'm, I'm just letting you know the reason why. Because you're wild and free and not accountable to no one. Hello? Doing what you want to do. And then what happens? You get married and you got this beautiful woman that you love so much calling you up saying, where you at? <laughs> Blowing up your phone. You know, nowadays text message. Babe, when you coming home? Bless you. That's what you're saying. Bless you. Glory to God. <laughs> Babe, you, you, you said you were going to be here two hours ago. I made dinner for you. I thought we were going to go. You know, all of those wonderful. And then what happened? And, 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 and then what happens is the, is the man begins to get bitter. Because what? He just wants to be free in Africa. He wants to roam all the, he, 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 he don't want to go find any other lion, lionesses or whatever. That, that's not it. At the beginning, anyway. But he just wants to be free to do his thing and then come home to the cave. Hold on a second. This ain't cave world. <laughs> this is a whole new era, glory to God. Women have different needs and different expectations. So he says, don't be bitter. Love your wives. Don't be bitter with them. Let's go back to Ephesians. Husbands are commanded in the scripture to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So we want to look at how is it that Christ loved the church exactly. Well, the first thing that we find here is we read through there. He says, and he says in the first <clears throat> verse in, in, in 25, says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and what? Gave himself for her. So the first thing that we find about the love that a man has got to have for his spouse is it has got to be sacrificial love. There must be sacrificial love. The first component 
to the love that a husband is responsible to demonstrate to his spouse is it must be sacrificial. And what do I mean by sacrificial? You can no longer live for yourself. Bottom line. You can no longer live for your, your desires cannot come before the desires that your wife has within this marriage. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord, Pastor Chad. I'm going to get some support up in here. <laughs> Husbands, listen, the first part, the first part. Jesus himself, he did what? He gave himself. Jesus was the king of glory. He could have simply, very easily, very easily just zapped everything. We're going to do this thing over new again. That isn't the way that he decided to do it. What did he do? He said, you know what? I'm going to give myself. I'm going to lay my life down for what? So that way I can have this bride that, that is going to be beautiful and glorious and wonderful, right? So the first thing that has got to be there, if your love is not sacrificial, if you're not dying to yourself, and listen, I, I want to say this because as you get older, there should be less death. Hello. If, you're, if, you're, if you've been married for like 20 years and it still kills you to do, you got issues, brother. We're going to pray for you. Because you should die, you know, a couple of times. It ain't going to be the first time, but, you know, you should die a few times. And then, okay, I'm good. Glory to God. It like clicks in. I'm married. Hallelujah. Second, second thing here. So the first thing is love that Jesus demonstrated it was a sacrificial love he gave his life for what so that way we could have life and that is what we want to do we should be loving husbands in that that have that same heart and that same mind the second thing that we find here is the purpose of this sacrificial love is in, in verse 26 he says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish amen so the first thing is it's got to be sacrificial the second thing that our love has got to do is it's got to be sanctifying it's got to be sanctifying. What does sanctifying mean? The word sanctify means to set apart. So our love toward our spouses must set them apart as number one after God. Hello? Did you hear me? Your wife should know that she is number one after God. It should be crystal clear that after God comes your spouse. It should be, you should, it should, there shouldn't be any doubt in her mind. Does he love his job more than he loves me? Does he love his car more than he loves me? Does he love his children more than, it shouldn't be anything like that. And listen, I can tell you the last one, you know, the children one, that one's tough because my daughter, I love that girl. And it's a tough one. But you know what? I got to make sure that I protect my wife's heart by ensuring that my love is sanctifying her. That my love, and how, how do you sanctify her? Not just by that. You make sure that she knows her position. It is your responsibility, man of God. Mm -hmm. It is your responsibility to ensure that your spouse knows her place. And I don't mean, you know, just get in your place. I'm not talking about that. That she knows her place in your heart. <laughs> Let me fix that. We're going to have to edit that, okay? Make sure we get that edited there. That she, she, she has got to know her place in your life. Period. Sanctifying her. How, how, how else do you sanctify with your love? How, how about this? How about this? How about asking that, you know, those, those wonderful questions like, how was your day today? Why is that important? What about when your wife comes and tells you about some crazy conversation she was having with someone at work? Do you think that's important for you to know? I think it's important for you to know. Especially if she was acting crazy in the conversation. Because you need to help your wife become more like Christ. Because you know what? Here's, here's the beauty of this. The beauty of this, you're not trying to make her the perfect wife for you. You're trying to make her the perfect wife for Christ. You, 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 you're, you're not trying to help her be purified so she can just represent you. You're helping her be purified for what? So she can represent the king of glory. Very important. Sitting down. You know, what'd you do? My, you know, my wife and, you know, um, Sister Adelina, you know, they get together. Hey, you know, what'd you guys do? Whatever, you know, just hearing the conversation. I mean, I'm not worried about it. You know, it's not like I'm afraid. You know, Sister Adelina is a woman of God. Hallelujah. She's not going to lead my wife astray or nothing like that. But you know, I just want to hear what's going on. 
What's up? Talk to me. Tell, tell, me, what, tell me what kind of money y'all spending. Glory to God. <laughs> now they're doing good. Give the Lord a hand of praise. They're doing a good job. Glory to God. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean that sincerely. I, you know, they, they're doing good. You know, they, I think they're doing good anyway. Any, anyhow, maybe I don't know enough. Um, but, 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 you know, no, I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm joking. Listen, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to sit down and how, how, do you, how do you do that? You talk to your spouse about what's going on with her, asking her questions about her, asking her, you know, how she's feeling, you know, those type of things. You know, what, why is this important? Because that's the way that you help her grow in the word of God. How about this? How about, how about praying with your wife? That, that, that's a great one right there. How about, how about praying? I, I was blessed the other day. Pastor Aldo was to, um, testifying in the men's meeting, and he was talking about, you know, a situation that his wife was going through in her job. And, you know, his testimony was just such a blessing, you know, it just made me feel convicted right away. Praise the Lord. It's good. I love that, you know. And he said, yeah, you know, she's going through this, and, you know, we prayed together. And I was like, pray together. Glory to God. That is an awesome thing. Your spouse is going through something. You don't just sit there like you ain't got an answer, because if you ain't got an answer, you always got a prayer. Hello? You, you, you may not know what to say, but I know I can pray. I, babe, you know what? This is something that you, I, 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 don't, I don't know what the Lord wants, but let's seek him for his will and his direction. Because you know what? At the end of the day, he's going to help you in all of this. Hallelujah. So it's important that our love is, number one, sacrificial. Number two, it has got to be sanctifying because the love of Christ, what does it do? It cleanses us and it keeps us clean and it also keeps us vibrant. This is what the love of Christ does, keeps us living spiritually. If we are in, see, th th this is how you can tell when people are not really connected with Christ because there's no real life in them. Hello? If you're depressed, you're discouraged all the time, check yourself. How much time are you spending with Christ? How much time are you spending in his love? How much time are you spending allowing him to fill you with the life that you need? If you're not spending that time, guess what? That life is not going to flow from you because it does not exist. Important, church, that we have this. But this is what the love of Christ does, and that is what our love toward our spouse should do as well. Scripture says here, when we're looking at what, 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 what the love of Christ does in verse 27, he says that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle of any kind. So here, this is, this is just in general. As a church, we shouldn't be spotted by the world, and we shouldn't be wrinkled. Hello? Hello? What, 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 where, where do spots come from? Spots come from the external, the outside. Every day, guess what? We walk in the world, whether it's at work, whether it's in the store, wherever it may be. We're out there. And, get, and, and, and you know what? We have the potential to become spotted by the world. We have the potential to begin to think like they think, to act like they think, to do things the way that they do. We have the potential to do that, or we can remain unspotted. How do we do that? By abiding in the love of Christ. Where do wrinkles come from? See, wrinkles are different. Spots come from the outside. Wrinkles come from the inside. What do you mean? Bishop, you know, when you fold your clothes, it becomes wrinkled. Yeah, that's because it's your clothing responding to the pressure, but it's still internal. Hello. And so what does that mean? That means that if we're supposed to be without spot and without wrinkle, then we as husbands helping our wives not get spotted and wrinkled. When you have those wonderful conversations, you give them the counsel of the word of God. You help them to remain unspotted from the world. When they're going through the pressure, high pressure situations, because you are walking in love the way you're supposed to, you know what you do? You help your wife to remain unwrinkled. Hello? Because what? Because you're doing like Pastor Aldo. My wife is going through something, and I'm going to grab her hand, and, and we are going to connect spiritually, and we're going to pray so that way she can go through this without getting all wrinkled and getting all bitter and getting all messed up. Hello. This is what the love of Christ does for us. The third thing that we see is that the love that we show must be satisfying. It's got to be satisfying. Look at verse 29 says, for no one ever, verse 28, I'm sorry, so husbands ought to love their wives, their own wives, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. 
So what the apostle is doing is he's giving this picture. He's saying this is what the love of Christ does for the church. This is what the love of a husband should do for a wife. So the love of a husband should be nourishing and should be cherishing. Your love should be building your wife up. Your love should be building. Now, now listen, I know that, you know, we have these, you know, conversations about self-esteem and all this and that. But you know what? Your love, your love should be sufficient to be able to help your wife know who she is in your life. To help your wife know that she is number, you know, number one after God in your life. To help her. Your, your love should do that for her. Your love can't do anything else. But your love should continually. Listen, don't ever think that you said I love you enough. Don't ever think that you've demonstrated enough love. Don't ever think, glory to God, and I don't know how you could ever think this, but don't ever think you gave enough hugs. Hello, somebody. Don't ever think that because you will never reach that place. So what is our love supposed to be satisfying? The love of Christ, what does it do? It nourishes, builds us up. And it's not just building up just an emotion, but building us up spiritually. But that other word there, he talks about the, 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 the nourishing part and the cherishing portion. That word cherish, the picture in there, when you look up that word, it literally means like a, a mother chicken who is warming her little chicks. This is what the love of a husband is supposed to look like toward his spouse. It is supposed to be warming her heart. It is supposed to be demonstrating to her the love of Christ. This is the responsibility of the husband. The last thing I want to say under the heading of responsibility is that true spirituality as a married man cannot be achieved outside of loving and honoring your wife. Now don't take my word for it. Turn to the epistle of 1 Peter, please. First Peter chapter three. You got to say amen. amen. First Peter chapter three and verse seven. And it says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them, speaking of their wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Look what he says. He says, listen, you need to dwell with your wives, live with your wives according to understanding. In other words, you need to know your wife. You need to know what she likes. You need to know what she dislikes. And you don't just need to know it, but you need to do something about it. Because if you're not dwelling with her according to understanding, if you're not honoring her, which we look at that word honor, it means to have a price and that value and that's how you treat her. So here's the bottom line. The bottom line is how important your wife is to you, that's how you're going to treat her. That's, that, that, that's what's going to happen. You're going to honor her according to how much value she has to you. So what's your responsibility as a husband? To make sure that you have the right value. And where do you get the value for your wife? Don't get it from a mom. Don't get it from anybody else. Get it from God Almighty. Jesus Christ gave his life for your spouse. Therefore, she is of the utmost value. Amen? Amen. But then he goes on to say, to honor her and all of this, for what? So that way your prayers are not hindered. So it doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. It doesn't matter how spiritual people think you are. The reality is, if you are not treating your spouse correctly, you ain't that spiritual. If you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not treating her like a valuable vessel unto the Lord and unto you, you ain't that spiritual, my brother. And you really need to check yourself and come before the Lord and ask him to help you to treat her with the respect and honor that she's worthy of. Amen? Amen. And the third thing, and I'm getting ready to close here. Husbands, please repeat this after me. Say, husbands, husbands. must assume... Their role within the marriage. See, now role is a little different than responsibility. And the role of the husband is a little more complicated than most of us realize. Because role is, you know, my, my position in this marriage. Not just as the leader. This is why this is difficult. It's because we've been taught that we are the provider. We are the protector. We are the savior. We're the source of all of these things in the house. 
But the reality is we find something out as we become, you know, more fluent in the word of God. We start to realize God is the provider. God is the protector. God is the savior. God is the source of all of these things. So then what is the role of the husband? Husbands, hear me. Our role as husbands is to become vessels of provision, vessels of protection, vessels of salvation, and vessels of every need that our family has. That is the responsibility or the role of the husband is to become a vessel, to become a vet, to become an avenue through which provision through which provision can come into your home. That is our role as husbands. In other words, it is to work with God and to get out of God's way so God can do what he needs to do within our homes, but we need to be the vessel. Amen. The vessel, the role of the man. Listen, the the bulk of this is in responsibility because we need to know our responsibility. But the role, this is the hard part because you know what? We want to fix problems. We want to figure out how to do this. But you know what we need to do? This, 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 this This is the first thing that every man of God needs to grasp and we need to be able to do this is we need to learn to get on our face before the king of glory when we're going through things and seek his counsel and not try to figure it out on our own. We need to sit in the word of God, in the word of God, before the Lord and allow God to direct us. We're dealing with finances. Guess what? The word of God has plenty to say about money. You got financial issues in your home? You know how they get fixed? Applying the principles of the word of God. The principles of the word of God. This this is what we've got to learn to do. See, when you sit down and you have those conversations with your spouse, you have those conversations with your children, you have those conversations that are necessary, guess what you're doing? What you are doing is you are becoming a vessel of protection because you are communicating unto them the counsel of the word of God. And I would say 99% of the time, if a person will listen to the counsel of the word of God, guess what's going to happen? They're not going to walk into those situations that are going to harm them. The reason why I say 99 is because there's like that 1% of the time that God is taking you through something and you just following his counsel and he's developing something in you, but it's not to harm you, it's to make you better. Amen? But if we will simply listen to the counsel of the word of God, then we'll be able to be what? As men of God, we'll be able to be those men who are leading our families in the full blessing that God wants us to have. My last question is this. Everybody, please stand to your feet. This is to the man in the house. How are you measuring up to the standard that Christ set for loving your spouse? Every eye closed, please, and every head bowed. Hallelujah. As a man of God in this place, how are you measuring up? You're having problems sacrificing yourself? Your love not sacrificial? Is your love not sanctifying? Maybe your love is not satisfying. Maybe you're not making the efforts that need to be made in order to cause your spouse to know that she's number one after God in your life. But today, if you heard this message and you say, you know what, Lord, I want to I wanna bring myself into alignment And I want to love my spouse the way that you've called me to. If that's you in this place, every eye is closed and every head is bowed. Please lift your hand up before the Lord. I see the hands, man of God. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hands down. Praise the Lord. I want you to grab your neighbor's hand. And I want us to pray. Father, I thank you today, Lord God. I thank you today for your blessing. I thank you today, Lord God, for your provisions, my Lord, that are found in your word for us as men. And Father, I thank you for every hand that was lifted in this place that responded honestly unto you, my God. But Father, that response is only the first step to them fulfilling their purpose as men and husbands in their homes. And so I ask you today, Father God, that you would strengthen each and every man in this place. 
that you would strengthen their hearts, that you would strengthen their minds, that you, Father God, would remove whatever distortions may be in their mind or their hearts of what a husband is called to be. Father God, that you would remove any hindrances, Lord God, that are not allowing them to fully love their wives or fully give themselves, Lord God, in this marriage. Father, I pray, dear God, that you would strengthen the hearts of my brothers, dear God, that they would be able to arise to the call and that they would be the vessels, dear God, through which love and prosperity and blessing, Lord God, that those things would flow through them, my Lord, into their homes, dear God. Father, we pray, dear God, that we as men would lead our marriages into the fullness of your will and blessing. And we thank you because we know that this is not only possible, but it is your will. And so help us to glorify you as we lead our families in victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand of praise. Today is the first Sunday of the month, and so we are going to take up our more than enough building project offering. Praise the Lord. I want to give a little update, glory to God, of, of what we have collected. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, you'll see up here, glory to God. Now, now, now you're going to see a little, a little decline. You may be able to see, maybe not, but... Last month, we had $36,314.59. Now, this month, now, 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 before you get excited, this, this month, we have $35,952.38. You'll notice there's a, there's a slight difference lower, right? But there's a reason. I want to explain this to you, glory to God. It is because if you look over here in our children's side of the church, we had to do some renovations over there. And because that money is designated towards building stuff, what we did was we used some of that money. But praise God, we actually um, used like $2,000, and that's not even that much less. So give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Also, one other update, and Pastor Chad is going to come up here and, and, and um, pray. But um, the other update is I know that I had spoken to some of you uh, about this, and I think I spoke to the church when we first started dealing with the property that is right up the road off of Magnolia in the corner there. But in that particular property, I, I met with the, the land, the owner of the property and our realtor, and we sat down, and they're, they're working on another um, plan. We actually have already um, read the, the, um, the lease with option to buy that was made up by his lawyer, and so we went through that. With